Well, thank you for joining us for our fats, fuels, and oils forecast for the week of October 19th. Uh, I have Tori Alden on here, and he's going to go into our biofuels section of the report and talk about what updates we've made to it. During his presentation, if you have any questions, go right ahead and submit them in the Q&A section of Zoom, and we'll get to them at the end of Tori's presentation. With that, Tori, we'll pass it to you. Thanks, George. So last week, we got uh, the monthly EPA data dump uh, that details uh, biofuel production in the US and in RIN generation. And so that's what we're going to cover mostly today. Uh, like George said, again, if you have any questions, please, uh, please put them in the Q&A section. Uh, so we'll start with kind of the high level review of, of what happened in September. D4 production came in at 278 million gallons. That was up from 249 million in, um, in August and the highest monthly total that we've seen so far uh, in 2020. Um, and the highest we've seen since uh, December 2018. Um, a big driver of, of that was domestic biodiesel production, which declined a little bit, but has remained really steady um, and robust uh, throughout the pandemic, really. Uh, so that came in at uh, 167 million gallons, up from 143 last year, but down a tick at 171 or down from 171 in um, in August. Biodiesel imports also declined just a touch from August. They came in just above 13 million gallons. That was down from 14 million in August um, and down from almost 15 million uh, gallons last year. D5 production uh, came in at 33 million gallons. That was down from 35 million um, in August and 35, nearly 36 million gallons last year. Renewable diesel production under the, the D5 fell from 3.6 million gallons in August to 1.7 million gallons uh, in September. And then D6 production came in at uh, 1.11 billion gallons. Um, that was down from 1.12 billion in, in August and 1.19 last year. Um, one of the big questions that we've gotten, and, and even though this is a, a biodiesel focused report, uh, one of the bigger questions that we've gotten is about our, our ethanol forecasts and, and where we would we make any revisions to 2021 based on the fact that a lot of people are going to be working from home permanently. And we have finally adjusted that and so uh, and incorporated in some projections based on EIA data. Um, so for 2021, basically we have ethanol, domestic ethanol production rising from 2020. So for 2020, we've got it at 12.7 billion gallons. We've got it rising to 13.8 billion in 2021. While that's a year over year increase uh, driven by, you know, in, in April and May, we produced less than a billion gallons for the first time since uh, the EPA's tracked RINs. Um, 
it's a big decrease from the nearly 15 billion we produced in 2018 and 14.7 billion we produced in in 2019 and i think that this is a i think i'm pretty comfortable with this forecast so i don't expect that this will change a whole lot as we um as we go forward all right so look through a little bit of our um of our charts here go through gross margins the one thing that's a little surprising um is the continued a little surprising to me is the continued strength of of biodiesel production you can see that in um if you look at September, the profitability of, of biodiesel production ticked down just a little bit, um, and renewable diesel production also ticked down a little bit. Uh, even with the credits, with the credits, biodiesel looks a little bit more stable um, than renewable diesel. Renewable diesel came down a bit more, um, but that stability, I guess, with the credits is really what has driven the um, steady and, and kind of surprising biodiesel production over the last couple of months. We expect profitability to remain close to these levels, um, maybe a little bit of a tick up here in the short term in, um, in renewable diesel and in biodiesel both, and then a, a little bit of a tick up after the end of the year. Um, but generally not any big swings, certainly nothing like we saw uh, due to the pandemic or, or immediately after that. One of the, uh, the big drivers of the, um, of the drop in, in renewable diesel profitability was the uh, sharp rise in, in the cost of, of tallow. So you can see here that tallow went up to uh, basically a buck 34 per gallon uh, in, in, uh, in early May. And that's dropped down and hasn't really come back. That's that's hung around about a, a buck a gallon. And so that has contributed, I think, pretty significantly to the recovery that we've seen in, in renewable diesel production. For RINs, uh, we've got RIN prices. Um, we've got D6 coming up um, in part because production remains a little bit lower than expected. Um, and D4 kind of staying steady and then ultimately coming down a little bit uh, in 2021. Um, if, if ethanol production is, is stronger than we anticipate, D6 could be, uh, this forecast might be a little bit optimistic on, on D6 prices, or I suppose if, if the cost of corn were to come down, um, then the D6 might not need to compensate as much for uh, the rising price of, of corn. Um, I don't know whether the price of corn is, is going to have much of a chance to, to drop here over the next six months because uh, planting delays in, in Brazil are causing concerns about uh, the second crop there, which is, is actually the larger Brazilian crop and one that competes very directly with, with U.S. exports. So if U.S. export demand remains really strong and, and on top of that, we've seen big purchases from China, I, th I think it's going to be tough for corn to 
come down really dramatically, and I expect that it probably stays around the $4 a bushel level, um, at least through the end of the year until there's more, until we can know more about what the second crop in, in Brazil is going to look like. And so I think that argues for uh, the strength in D6 prices, and that translates a little bit into the uh, into the strength of D4 prices, although I think um, you can probably make an argument at this point on some level that D4 really drives D6, um, but at least the way that we forecast it and the way that we model it, we use D6 prices as an input into our, our D4 forecast. The other thing I wanted to point out here just is that um, we've seen a decrease in the hobo spread reflecting uh, in theory a an increase in the profitability of, of biodiesel production. Um, if you look at where the spread was last month, I suppose it's not a, a surprise. I, I suppose the surprise is that biodiesel production was as strong as it was and as, as steady as it was um, if you just looked at this. But I think the um, the general trend here is probably going to continue um, at least for the foreseeable future based on um, a, 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 a break in, in feedstock prices early in, in 2021. If you look at our feedstock forecasts, I think we have them well supported into the first quarter of 2021 and, and then you have a break after that. For biomass-based diesel, you can see uh, domestic production again uh, in August. We hit 171. That was the the largest for the year. And we come down. We expect it to remain relatively steady over the next several months. And then we have this uh, this sort of typical end of the year increase in in production in uh, in December. Uh, let's switch to LCFS credit prices. There's a little bit of a problem with this with this chart, but we're trying to fix it. Um, we've got LCFS credit prices remaining fairly stable, trending slightly lower. They've been trading between 190 and 195 ish for uh, for a, a good while now. You can see. Um, at least since August, we've kind of been in this range. We expect that range to continue and maybe decline a little bit uh, through the end of 2021. All right, with that, I will, I'll toss it over to questions, short and sweet. All right, thanks, Tori, I appreciate that. So if anybody has any questions, go ahead and drop them in the Q&A section of Zoom. Uh, we already have a few here. Uh, Tori, one of the questions we have is, when will you post the low CI balance sheets in the 2022 forecast? And show our 2022 forecast. So we're hoping to, and, and this has been a project that has taken a lot longer than we wanted or, or hoped it would. We're hoping to get those finalized this week um, and get those posted for next week's report. Um, there could be some uh, some last minute glitch that prevents us from doing that, but we're we're really close now. We're just in sort of the final adjustment phase of of the low CI balance sheets, um, and then we'll get those posted up in the in the low CI section. We'll also have some. Um, 
we'll have a uh, an aggregation of, of feedstocks that we'll post on the um, in the biodiesel section. So we'll have a, a total feedstock balance sheet and then a veg oil balance sheet and a, a low CI, essentially a fats and greases um, balance sheet that we'll post on uh, the biofuels section. And then as far as rolling out our, our forecasts, um, right now as, as part of the low CI uh, project, we are finalizing our 2022 forecasts. And so I would suspect that we'll probably get those posted in early November at, at the latest. Um, it may be a little bit earlier than that, but it's that's probably when we'll start to try and, and target putting our next year forecasts up every year is, is kind of just before the end of the year so that uh, we have kind of a rolling um, forecast for the following year out always even in, in I guess, two years out uh, at, the end of, at the end of the calendar year. Okay. Uh, we've got two more questions, unless the audience has more questions here. Uh, you have a large increase in production for several categories in December. What's driving those increases? Uh, so there's there's kind of two things that, that drive those. One is um, the, the way that we do our forecasts, December ends up being a balancing month. And so um, basically what we do is we have an annual forecast and then um, as we realize the data each month, we go through and we make adjustments um, based on whether the data came in above or below our, our forecast. If, um, if we don't adjust that annual number, it kind of, those adjustments get reflected in, in the December number. So there can be a little bit of, of that. The December number can go a little bit higher or a little bit lower than um, than we expect just based on the realization of, of the data. The second part is there's a, there's a seasonal pattern and, and typically in December, what we've seen in the past is the production jumps a lot because of um, producers and, and, and users scrambling to account for and, and have enough RINs on their books to meet their mandates. Um, Right now, I think what's really driving that probably more is is the annual forecast with production coming in a little bit lower than expected in, in some of these categories. Uh, the annual forecast, which is ultimately based on the mandates, may be a little bit higher than, um, than we might realize. And so that might make the December numbers look a little bit bigger. I don't know whether we're going to get the same kind of, of big jump in production this year that we that we typically see. Um, on one hand, I think you could argue that uh, that the lower than expected production for some of these categories will leave a bigger gap at the end of the year that needs to be filled. Um, but on the other hand, because the RFS is a is a volume driven system, it's not a you have to produce and use 10 million gallons of this stuff. You have to produce and use a, a percentage of, of your total use. Um, it could be that usage is down enough that, uh, that we don't see it, but we're gonna continue to try to stay on top of that and make sure that those things don't get too far out of line from what we think will actually happen. 
Um, and again, to the audience, if you need any clarification or want answers to anything, please submit them. This is our last question, unless we get some more here. Uh, the spread between your forecast for D4 and D6 RIN prices has narrowed. Has the probability of hitting a blend wall fallen? Um, it's it's actually widened. I think that might have been I think that might have been backwards a little bit. Uh, um, so it's widened a little bit in over the last several weeks. Um, I think that given what we were talking about in terms of the ethanol forecast and um, and the potential for fewer people driving to work every day. Um, I think that that probably argues that uh, that the blend wall is is probably more likely to be hit. Um, but that's, that's oddly enough, that's not necessarily showing up in the forecast. And just the way that we fo forecast um, D6 prices is based in part on um, the price of corn in part on net RIN generation. Um, and, and so I think that those numbers are, are coming in and suggesting that it's going to widen. We probably need to make sure that that's what we really think, because I think if you, I, I think if you think about it, unless you have a culling of ethanol capacity, um, if we use less gasoline, it, it seems more likely to me that we would hit the blend wall, um, in, which would imply an, a narrower spread between D6 and D4 RIN prices um, than we've seen in, in prior years. And, and indeed, the, the forecast trended that way for a long time. So I'll, I'll have to look into that a little bit and see if we get, um, if there's a good reason why the numbers are kind of moving that way. Okay. Well, Tori, that's all the questions I have. Thanks for taking the time. Attendees, thanks for jumping in there and asking the questions. Uh, next week, we'll have an update with Ryan Standard going into the low CI section. So thank you all, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody.